What's going on, everybody? This is Patreon. I even wrote it down this time. It's episode 93 of Patreon, as a matter of fact. Let's see, I have my uh, very detailed notes as to what episode it is. I had to look real hard because I almost didn't see that. That's because you're drunk. You're right. Nope. It's, it's true. Possibly. Um, um, not really. So, this week, I found a badass. And it was like, not really an- enough to do a full episode. Okay. We'll throw him on Patreon. See, okay. how, see how it goes, you know? Oh, and by the way, for all you fuckers that were harassing me about how I sounded. Yeah, I saw that. Don't oh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, uh-huh. Listen. Yeah, D- David said you looked like, uh, you sounded like fucking Jim Carrey's uh, <laughs> transgender weightlifter from In Living Color, and yeah. he was absolutely right you did. Whatever. You know, it happens. I had to go back and watch the clip because I haven't seen that show in so long, and I was like, wait a minute. He does sound like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Good impression. Yeah, sort of. Okay. Anyway, well, that was just because I had didn't have a voice, so fuck you all. <laughs> it was only him. Like, he was the only one that gave you shit for it. Oh, there was others I know they're guaranteed. No, it was just him. He was the only one that was vocal about it. At well, least. if that had been on regular pay, regular episode, everybody else would have been. Well, you, we that recorded was, a regular that, episode. That was too. Matter of yeah. fact, we recorded two regular episodes and a Patreon, and you sounded like it's true. you got throat fucked by Satan in all three of them. So. I, true. I probably um, did. Strong possibility. Man, possibly. No, never know. Hard telling. But anyway, so badass. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a different one for us because it's not – it's from World War II, but it's some some – it's a part of the war that we don't really talk about that much, and the guy is of a nationality that I don't know that we've ever talked about during a badass episode. Okay. Take a wild guess. His name is Spiro Ma- Malakis. I'm going to say Greek. Yeah, nailed it. Fucking Spiro. Wow. That's kind of like, you know. No, it was definitely the Malachi's part. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he was born September 19th, 1912. Um, his parents are Apollo and Maria. Um, See, if you had just said his father's first name, I would have been like, ah, instantly. Yeah. Uh, he was born in uh, Kalamata, Greece. Uh, he, this dude came out with uh, just so much arm hair, like forearm hair already. Oh, Jesus he Christ. looked like his a poor... fucking werewolf being like hatched out. His poor mother probably had fucking heartburn like Dude, she, else. she had or she had yeah, I mean she had a lot of armpit hair too. I was gonna say something else, but <laughs> <laughs> She probably had that too. She had a fur cool. diaper. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the early nineteen hundreds, they're Greek, yeah. These people look like fucking Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean probably where Bigfoot came from. <laughs> his his mother had a had a Stalin mustache. Uh, That's just because she hadn't waxed it in six hours. Yeah, yeah. Um Mom and dad live a pretty simple life. They ran a family bakery. Um, they opened it in 1913, uh, but they didn't open it in Greece. They had moved to Alezzo, uh, Italy. Opened the bakery there. You know, it's it's that same. It's that what the eastern half, uh, eastern coast of of Italy. So you have a lot of similarities there between Greece and you know, it's just that it's the Mediterranean. Yeah, area there, you know, okay. everything smells like fucking tzatziki, and I'm down for it. Um, not a, not a great time to open the bakery, um, nor good location either, uh, considering they are the next city inland from Gallipoli. Oh, um, yeah, it was, you know, when he was three years old, uh, world war two, uh, world war one had already started mm-hmm. and the battle of Gallipoli kicked off February 19th, 1915. Um, I did a little bit of background, like kind of like 
vagued out the whole thing because I didn't want to go into full detail on it. Fighting started when the Brits and French launched an attach, uh, an attach, attach, huh? An attack on the uh, Dardanelles Strait. The tail end of February, beginning of March, nineteen fifteen, um, continued with a pretty good-sized land invasion of of the Gallipoli uh, Peninsula on April twenty-fifth, which involved British and French troops. Um, they also brought with them what was referred to as the ANZAC, which are. Australia and New Zealand Army Corps. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so they, they brought the scary fucking people with them, too, you know. Because, like, yeah, the Brits, yeah, they were they were pretty good in World War One. The French, not bad in World War One. Anytime you throw Australians and Kiwis into a war, you're going to have a bad fucking time. True. Um, because they are criminals and Maori, respectively. <laughs> Criminal Maori. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen their, their rugby teams, and fucking no thank you. I would want a gun. Going against either one of them. Mm. Fuck, I wouldn't I wouldn't fight anybody on the New Zealand women's rugby team. Ooh. They'd fucking kill you. Probably. Like thighs yeah. the size of my chest. Like they're thick women. They're warrior they're warrior groups. They, again, they will kill you. They I mean, they There's a lot of rowing. Well rowing rowing's not a a, a a leg thing, but uh Yeah, so okay, you know, fine. They're they're tough, dude. I'll give them that. Um so they didn't have a good amount of intelligence as to what was really going on with like the terrain and stuff like that. Um, and they also underestimated the Turks that were already there holding the area. They kind of thought that, Oh, we'll, we'll go in and we'll, we'll kick these guys asses, blah, blah, blah. Not the case. The Turks fought like goddamn dogs in Gallipoli. They were, they were tough. Um, by mid October allied forces had suffered heavy casualties, um, that it, it made very, very little headway from where they initially landed on the beaches. I mean, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, the Turks were so strong because they had been fighting different wars on and off for quite a well, while. dude, the fucking Turks have been at war with everybody since they were the Ottomans. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, World War One ended where, you know, eventually they got their asses handed to them, but they also had a <clears throat> genocide they had to do. So they were busy with that too, True. which I mean, nobody talks about because, you know, fucking Armenians, whatever. Nobody's ever heard of them. Don't worry about them. You know, system of, down, of a down. They're not Armenian or anything. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's one that definitely doesn't get the uh, the amount of attention it probably should because uh, it was bad. Yeah. It was really fucking bad. <laughs> uh, we talked about it in our asshole eliminator episode with... Uh, Ah, uh, shit. The guy you covered, the Pasha there. That ended up getting executed in the fucking streets like a... Yeah, yeah, Like a yeah. dog in Germany somewhere, yeah. 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 Yeah, they sucked, dude. Um, so after the, the failed naval attack, perception... I'm sorry. Per, uh, yes. Preparation began for a large-scale troop landing on the uh, Gallipoli Peninsula. Um... British War Secretary Lord Kitchener uh, approved General Ian Hamilton as uh, commander of British, uh, British forces for the operation. Um, under his command, the troops of Australia, New Zealand, and the French colonies would all assemble with British forces on the Greek island of Lemnos. Uh, April 25th, 1915, the Allies launched their invasion of the Gallipoli Peninsula. Despite heavy, heavy casualties again, they managed to establish a couple of a couple of beachheads. Um and they could kind of fight from here. Uh, it didn't 
still, you're still fighting a superior force with better positioning, and yeah, it's not going to be a good time. No. After the initial landing, the Allies were able to make little progress from their initial landing sites. I already read that. Um, even as the Turks gathered more and more troops on the peninsula from both, um, they were getting they were pulling guys from the Caucasus front where they were fighting the Russians, um, and they were also pulling people from Israel, not Israel, Palestine. I'm sorry, where they were fighting the Brits there as well. So it's it's part of World War One that doesn't really get talked about because it was not a good time for the good guys. No. You know, we had fucking Lawrence of Arabia out here just being white as fuck on a horse, you know. And, um, hey. I mean, he, he did he all got right, it done. I guess. He did all right, but. He got it fucking done. He did. He done did it. That was actually, a lot of people consider <coughs> that section of the war the first war that we ever fought over oil. Because that's when it was becoming a big thing to have. Because this is like the first mechanized war that we fought as a species for the most part. On a large scale, we had you got to feed trucks, you got to feed planes, you got to feed tanks in some cases. You know they don't run on lollipops and puppy farts. True. You know, and but, that's. I mean, we had our own oil. We had enough here to right. cover what we needed. But we weren't involved at this point. This is 1915. We were still a couple years out from committing war crimes with shotguns. True. Which I still think is hilarious. That the Germans got all butt hurt about guys with shotguns, but they were gassing people, and that was okay. It's like, eh, eh. Would you rather get gassed and drown in your own fluids, or get your teeth brushed with double lot buckshot, and just have it not be an issue anymore? See, I don't know. I mean, okay, I'll take the double lot buckshot. Yeah, I mean, dude, those fucking Winchesters they were going over there with were. Those are hurt sticks. That didn't. No. Nobody was having a good time on the wrong end of those. No. You know, fucking five or seven round whatever pump action shotguns. We weren't playing around. Um. Okay. So in an attempt to break through the stalemate, the Allies made another major troop landing on August 6th in Sulva Bay. Um, they combined with uh, the northward advance from the Anzac Cove towards the height of Sorry, sorry, bear, bar, bar, whatever the fuck it is. Um, so these landings took the Turks by surprise, which gave the Allies a little bit of an advantage, but not enough to really, not enough to really do anything. Mm. With Allied casualties in the Gallipoli campaign mounting, Hamilton, who had the support of a uh, guy that was not, he wasn't a huge hit during World War One. But World War II, he, he dropped his second album in World War II, and that shit was a banger. Like, everybody loved that. Yeah. Winston Churchill. Ah. Uh, yeah. True. Um, he almost lost it. Actually, he did lose his job during World War One. He did. He did. And then he's like, listen, yeah, I went back to the lab. I, I, re, I remixed my shit, and I think I got it this time. And they, they were like, like, they were like, hey, call him the lefty. Okay. Like, wait a minute. Let, let's, let's hear a mixtape. And he just walks over and breathes in their face. So like, you smell like whiskey. I think you're in. You know, whiskey and cigars. We'll, we'll take yep. it. Um, so Kitchener petitioned for 95,000 reinforcements. Um, the war secretary offered barely a quarter of that number. So they didn't get remotely the amount of guys that they needed for this. Uh, Mid-October, Hamilton argued that a, a proposed evacuation of the peninsula, peninsula would cost up to 50% casualties. So you're going to lose half of your men here trying to get off of the fucking 
off the peninsula. That's not good. No. That's not good at all. No. But consider if you stay there, you're probably looking at closer to 70 to 80% casualties. So... Weigh your, weigh your uh, options and yeah. lesser two evils. Yeah. I mean, do you leave a bunch of teenagers there to die over somebody that they've never met before, never heard of before? Or do you try to get as many of them home as you can? Yeah. You know? World War One had the stupidest fucking start of any of the wars. I'm sorry. True. I am sorry. That is just... That's... It, it's retarded. Like, some asshole gets shot and then, you know, 300 million teenagers go die in Europe for no fucking reason over this one asshole and his wife, who is probably also an asshole by, I would assume by association. And it's all about, you know, that whole, like that whole, uh, well, we're allies with you and you're allies with them. And then this and that. And well, if we don't show good faith, then well, here's the thing. Guess who didn't fight in world war one, the black hand that started the whole fucking thing. (laughs) <laughs> you know so eh. hey. it's like the shit going on in the middle east right now it's like uh, the palestinians <laughs> didn't start that hamas started that yeah <laughs> are they palestinians yeah but they're also a fucking terrorist organization that is noticed as a terrorist organ- organization by just about every government on the face of the earth but who's paying the price ultimately everybody yeah civilians on both sides as a matter of fact but more so the Palestinians because the Palestinians yeah. are getting fucking bombed. Because the they're fuck. caught in the middle because Hamas is hiding behind them like fucking pussies. There's been a there's been some footage come out where uh, Hamas has, has fired off rockets that are supposed to be going into Israel and they're coming up short and landing directly in the fucking Gaza Strip and killing people. And they're like, oh, no, the Israelis bombed us again. And they're like. We, yeah, we kind of saw that on satellite where it came up and then it came back down about six hundred yards you're, away. You're talking about the you the, know the the, the uh, hospital. Yeah, I oh no no no, it's happened more than once. Oh, it's happened more than once. Oh, uh, there was a uh, I don't remember. It was like a market or some shit. They got <clears throat> they got blown to fuck by rockets, and they they showed the uh, the satellite footage of the rocket coming up. Like you see the arc, and then it comes almost almost straight back down. Well, so it landed thing, like the thing is a quarter is, mile away, because it's it's a fucking RPG. No, this was not. This was not an RPG. It was a fucking like a land to land missile. Oh, well, because most of the ones I've seen are RPGs, and RPGs aren't fucking like. It's kind of like you know, it's like you're you're playing fucking you know, you're playing uh. I don't know. I can't think of it. Cowboys and Indians, you know, and one side's got the fucking bows and arrows and one side's got the fucking, you know, rifles and RPGs are more accurate than you give them credit for, though. Yo, yeah, but they're not as accurate as a fucking as a goddamn uh, jet flying over and going. Woo, woo. No, definitely Watching not a fucking, you know, I mean, definitely not. I mean, Hamas doesn't have all that. It's not like everybody, it's kind of like made out to be like, oh, well, we're going to. Do all this, and it, but it's like there's a huge genocide happening, and and us we're going. You know what? Listen, we're gonna send. I don't know what is it like something like four point two billion or some shit like some stupid fucking number over there to help them out. I mean, come on. What what I don't like is uh. the fact that we have a government that's trying to disarm our citizens, but they're also sending rifles to Israel to give to citizens to fight. 
Mm, don't like the feel of that. They don't need them. They have no. a fucking best military but in you, the you, area. You understand what I'm saying, though, right? <clears throat> we are we can't have them here, but it's okay for you to send them to civilians there because they can have them? Yeah. It's like, do we need to have a civil war just so we can keep our guns? Like, But, I mean, like I said, they don't... You know? They don't. It's it's cowboys and Indians, and one side's gonna fucking lose, and it's going to be the Palestinians because, well, they're already losing. Yeah, and guess who's also not helping them? Any of the other fucking Muslim countries in the area? Because you know why? They're the bastard children. Because the Palestinians are being used as pawns by everybody else that could be helping them. They're the bastard children of the the Muslim nation. Yeah. Nobody wants them. That's why they ended up in that area and were like, hey, okay, well, we'll take this. Nobody's going to fuck with us. And then all of a sudden, well, there's shit got taken. My, my favorite thing that I've seen recently, though, is uh, fucking dickhead there in Ukraine. Zelensky is upset that this is happening. Not because there's, you know civilians are being killed and this that the other he's upset that this is happening because now we're not sending him as much money as we were before oh oh, i play you a fiddle you fucking asshole (laughs) get out there and fight yourself you pussy if you want to keep it going jesus christ you really need another fucking 600 billion dollars from us you prick it doesn't cost that much you guys using fucking walmart drones fuck out of here been fighting for a fucking year and you can't do shit so, you know, we should probably stop giving you money. Yeah. You know. Anyway, enough about those assholes. Let's talk about these assholes. Um, Let's talk about different assholes. Yeah. By early November, uh, Kitchener visited the region himself and agreed um, that Monroe, who is the, uh, another general that was there, his recommend, uh, recommendation uh, that the remaining 105,000 Allied troops should be evacuated. He was like, yeah, we should probably fucking skedaddle and get out of here. Yeah. The British government authorized the evacuation from Gallipoli and began at Selva Bay on December 7th. Um, the evacuation started December 7th mm-hmm. of 1915. Mm-hmm. The last Allied troop boarded a ship in, uh, in Halaise January 9th of 1916. Took over a month to get everybody out of there. Oh, wow. I wonder how many they lost in that month. That's That's bad. Like... Fucking Gallipoli was not a good place f- no. for anybody. Kind of like, um, uh, fuck. Dunkirk. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dunkirk. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Dunkirk. Yeah. Except this one smells more like olive oil and you have nicer weather. <laughs> True. You know, um, in all 480,000 plus allied forces took part in the battle of Gallipoli, um, at the cost of more than 250,000 casualties, including 46,000 plus killed outright. That's a lot. Uh, on the Turkish side, um, they have another estimated 250,000 casualties with about 65,000 killed. So, yeah, they the, the Allies killed more of them, but they still fucking lost. Yeah. So with all that going on, during the evacuation of the Gallipoli Peninsula, because they started evacuating civilians earlier than that, Spiro's father was killed by a car. Oh. The vehicle swore... <laughs> holy fuck like the vehicle swerves to miss an oncoming military vehicle and hit him head on oh they're on foot oh yeah they don't have cars um he died within feet of his son and his wife um maria was swept up in the relocation didn't really have time to 
they, well, they never had time to mourn or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. they couldn't bury him. They're just like, fucking, I guess we got to go. Yeah. Um, so they're... Re- uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> Fuck. <clears throat> Ugh. Sorry. So they are uh, relocated to Corfu, which is another smaller island off of Greece. Yeah, okay. Um, I've heard of that one. You want to know why you've heard of that one? No. Because that's where Rogue Team International is, motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Pick up a goddamn Joe Ledger book, everybody. Like, start at Patient Zero and read all of them. Yes. There's only 15 of them. You know, don't even, don't, don't even fucking read them. Don't be a bitch going Audible. Yeah. Listen to Ray Porter read him to you. He is fucking, fucking magnificent. He is oh. a man. I'm telling you, if you have an audible credit and you want a good, like, military sci-fi sto- like storyline, oh, yeah. 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 And then you want to... Get, get, th- get through Patient Zero. That one, that one's good, but it's not the best of them. Oh, boy. They just keep getting better from there. God damn. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. It's, I'm just saying it's... it's it's the it's definitely the first book in the series, you know. Oh I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. They get better from there. Oh yeah. Um, and don't get attached to characters because uh-uh. Jonathan Mayberry will break your fucking heart. He will, for sure. <laughs> He's like George R. R. Martin, but not as bad. I'm still I'm I'm still attached to one character, even though he's really technically not a character per se. But you know, I know that in- inevitable is going to happen when he's going to pass on or get killed. <sighs> Which one? The pupper. I don't think so. I don't think Jonathan Mayberry is a dog guy. The the dog the ghost will retire. He will not die. I'm saying he'll pass yeah. on. But you know, it, it won't be like in <coughs> fucking he, combat. It won't be somebody will, standing over him shooting him in the head he, or something. He will have a Viking funeral. He'll be like, okay. no, he he's he's an old fuck now, and we have another litter of them. So yeah, you know, more badass one yeah. coming along. Rest the way. your bones, kind sir. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they stay they stay in Corfu until after the war. Um, and within a couple years, kind of spotty as to how long it was, uh, Maria remarried an Italian man by the name of Alfonso, who had actually been wounded in the battle of Gallipoli. So he was one of the guys that was there fighting and, you know, no, uh, because I don't know if Italy was really involved. I think it was more of like a volunteer kind of thing. Like you're in my country, motherfucker, I'm going to fight yeah, kind of thing. Um, so they then moved with, uh, they, blah, blah, blah. The pair then moved with Spiro. Um, he was about 10 years old, and they settled on the Isle of Crete. Okay. Another little little island in Greece. Yeah. Um, was Crete the one where the fucking Minotaur supposedly? Yes. I think the labyrinth, yeah. I think, yes, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, if not, some something happened there, and uh, dudes have been butt-fucked in mythology on Crete. I'm 100% sure of that. Yeah. Voluntarily. Uh, or involuntarily. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Greek's pretty gay, not going to lie. Um, which leads me to, like, we need to do the Sacred Band of Thebes, because you want to talk about, like, like these guys are, like, capital letters, gay. Yeah. Capital letters, gay. Yeah, because you, you, you fought with your partner. <laughs> okay. You, you went to war, and you brought your partner with you, and that made you fight harder. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, there's only a couple hundred of them, but yeah, they they fought like goddamn monsters. Because like, I, you ain't killing my husband, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, um. Anyway, so uh, Alfonso and Maria ended up. Uh, they opened another bakery since you know. You son of a bitch! <laughs> How dare you, cocksucker! Slash. Um, Slap. Uh. So. Obviously, Maria had experience with bakeries. 
because you know her family her her she comes from a long line of people owning bakeries her and her first husband had a bakery alfonso's mother ran a bakery they're bakers this is what they're gonna do i'm sorry i just can't leave it alone what only, only started going in him is me my meat sword <laughs> she that <laughs> yeah um oh sorry i couldn't let it go so <laughs> So when Spiro was 12, so a couple years later, um, his mother and stepfather had another son, and they were trying to come up with a name, and he goes, name him Apollo. And uh, surprisingly, Alfonso's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, he's like, it was, you know, it's your father's name. Um, and he kind of knew that had he not died, he probably never would have met Maria in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's do it. Um, Spiro and Alfonso actually had a really good bond because... Yeah, he was his stepfather, but he was his dad because he was so young when his father actually died that, you know, he didn't have the. Yeah, yeah. You know, he could he could remember his dad, but he didn't have like core memories with his dad. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, For sure. Um, Being that young, you know, your your dad is, you know, your dad, your dad, but it's basically he's more like that's his father. Right. Um. So the the, the two of them, they. Part of their bond that they they created was through like hiking and hunting, um, mostly like game birds because there's really not a lot of like animals worth shooting and eating on Crete because it's a small island. There's a lot of rodents and shit like that. Yeah, and then like wild goats, but it's a fucking goat. What's the? There's no sport in shooting goats unless you're like out in the Rockies and you're shooting those ones off the sides of fucking mountains. Then you gotta go chase them. True. But, you know, that's that's man shit right there. But that's but. why they like, they like goat so much. Right. And goat's actually good. I like it. I mean, they fish. Right. And goats are easy to maintain for as livestock animals because they don't yeah. eat a lot. They don't take up a lot of space. Um, so they're both mostly shooting like partridge and a bird called a capricelli, a capricelli, which from the looks of it, it looks like it's some kind of a pheasant. It's got like that kind of same build as like a pheasant. It's just different colored and kind of poofier, but okay. it, it looks like a pheasant to me. I don't know. Okay. I could be wrong. It could be a goddamn duck for all I know. Um, this is where Spiro would kind of, you know, he'd hone his skills on the stick, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, by that, I mean Alfonso's Browning Auto 5 semi-automatic shotgun. That's that's a fucking hot shotgun. Those are really nice. Yeah, um, for sure. Five shot, semi-automatic. Yeah. It's got like a fucking 36-inch barrel on it. It's a bird gun. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're badass. It'll get the job done. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, so things are going pretty good. Family's in a good place financially. They've, you know, they've got the bakery going. Um, Spiro's just doing, being a kid and shit. He's got a little brother to worry about. Um, all of that is going good up until 1939 when, you know, the world kind of goes to shit and World War II kicks off because some guy with one testicle and a tiny mustache decided he'd had enough of the Jews. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Went into Poland about it, I guess. Well, I mean, he started off in, in Germany. I mean, the fucking the accursed land of Poland. <laughs> but he st- but he had to start somewhere, and he started in in Germany, and then then it was like eh, this is not this is not enough. Let's go to Poland, the country that every fucking set of gods has forsaken. Poland, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, if you want to fight someone first, you have to go. You have, fight, you have to fight Poland. Poland is the is the the, the fucking glass Joe of <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> of countries. Yeah. Wait a minute. You don't get to fight anyone else first. Oh, you man, have to fight if, us. If you understood that reference, that means that you're probably uh, ready for a colonoscopy at this point. You know. Yeah. Uh, probably get that scheduled. Um, so September 1939. 
World War II kind of became a reality for the people of Greece when their neighbor Italy joined up with the bad guys in 1940. The first ones to show up on Crete weren't Italians or Germans. They were Brits. Because the Brits had a pretty... They had a pretty good foothold in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, between, like, North Africa and then, like, Albania. They had a bunch of shit going on there. Um, and Albania and Greece border each other, which people may or may not know. Um, but the French also had a pretty good um, pretty good setup in the Mediterranean, too, because they own Morocco and... Um, I can't remember the other one, but... Um, but the, the, the Brits' big foothold in that area was coming out of Egypt. So they could just hit the ocean, the sea, and fucking shoot right up into Greece. The French had the Foreign Legion there. Dude, the French Foreign Legion is still badass, though. Only problem is they got that goddamn FAMAS, which is dog shit. Who wants a who wants a three like a fucking two shot burst uh, rifle with a th- fucking thirty three round magazine in it? What's the point of that? That's stupid. It's French. Yeah, never been fired, only been dropped once. <laughs> dog shit. Anyway. <laughs> um. So the Brits show up there in uh, October of 1940. They very quickly convinced the Greek government to start massing forces uh, like in Crete, like from the Cretan people. Uh, at this point, Spiro is 28 years old, and he signs up within days of the announcement saying, hey, we're going to start pulling people for service. So he didn't get drafted. He volunteered. Yeah. Um, he didn't voluntold. No. Having, having some, uh, some combat experience of his own, his old man Alfonso, now 44, Signs up as well. Um, but with his experience in combat and stuff like that and being older, they're like, we're not going to let you go fight. Yeah. You're going to train people. Yep. You're cool. Gonna, you're going to be in the rear of the gear. Yep. So he, he was he was running like their version of boot camp, like Greek boot camp. Yep. Sandal camp, whatever the fuck they had. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Spiro's unit trained for two months. And by January, they'd been they had uh, been massing weapons and. Staying in fighting shape, you know, it's all that stuff. How? How? <laughs> After fighting wolves by themselves. Um, if he dies, so he dies. Here's the thing with Spiro's unit, though. Is they specifically, his unit of about 50 men, may or may not have gotten some specialized training from the RAF. Put it at that. Um, but this is where shit gets gets a little weird. Okay. The unit that he's attached to was, quote, dissolved by the British Army. Ah. They were dispersed back into the wilds of Crete uh-huh. to train small resistance units. Okay. Okay, so we are creating the Greek resistance without having to let it happen organically like it was going to in France. Ah. Okay. Um, they were supplied with British weapons and, you know, just told, keep these t- keep these close and stay ready. So they had no faith in them that they were going to organically just you know happen. Oh, no i i think this was intentionally like we're gonna send you crazy motherfuckers out here create your own little armies because and just know be ready you know we know you're a fighting stock that uh, island fighting is notoriously hard yeah because you only have so many people you only have the people that are there where the attackers can bring more people it's going to take them time but they can bring more people you can't because yeah. you are cut off i think the Cretes were I don't know. I don't know my my Greek like wartime stuff like all that better, but like I'm pretty sure they were pretty good fighters. If I, I'm not mistaken, the all of the Greeks were like. Wow, I mean, 
they weren't all Spartans, but they they could all fucking fight. Yeah, I mean, Athenians were. They thought they were just kid fuckers, boy fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> politicians and boy fuckers. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's from the uh, the documentary series Three Hundred. Yes, um, but no, like nobody was the Spartans, but like the, the Greeks could fight. Yeah, you know, I mean, and then the fucking Syrians or whatever showed up and. Iranians, I don't know. Persians, Persians, Iranians, same Persians. Thing, I guess. Yeah, they showed up and they're like, "Hey, we can fight. We're gonna, better. we're gonna fuck your shit." Yeah, you know. And yeah. well, well, they, they, the one guy that they sent into Sparta, he's like, uh, "If we enter your lands, we'll kill every man, woman, and child here." And the the king of Sparta at the time's like, "If," and he just left it at that, and walked away. That motherfucker probably just went, oh. <laughs> cold chills. He's like, "I got to go. Like this is a bad place." Um. I mean, they didn't really conquer them either. Yeah, you know, it was like, eh, I mean. It's hard to conquer people that you kill every one of them, you know? It's true. Um, okay, so they were dissolved, get their weapons. Um, so this this whole, like, creating they a. Go up into the mountains, create little bands. <laughs> they used to hear, Wolverines! So, like, creating a, a preemptive resistance force seems like it could backfire. Uh, because, like, then if, if nothing happens, you have a bunch of heavily armed men that are also very well trained that could go, I don't think we like the local government anymore. Uh huh. Guess who this belongs to now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they could have ended badly, but it, it anyway. <laughs> um, so Spiro trained about 15 guys. I say guys because they range in the age from 16 to 40. Uh-huh. So they're not men, not yeah. all of them. Um, he, uh, he, he gave them like his flavor of guerrilla warfare combat stuff. Um, his big thing was hide in plain sight. Okay. <laughs> this, this dude's fucking crazy. So he armed them with British weapons that they, that had been supplied to him. Um, notably about three dozen Sten guns and God only knows how many grenades. Um, and fields. No, only, they only gave him stents. Really? Yeah. You, you're tight combat. You're in, you're in towns. That's true. You don't need true. bolt guns. You no. need, you know, That's true. fucking, <laughs> You need something small and automatic that you can hit these guys on a bicycle with and just take off. Um, but they, all this, this is the crazy, this part I love. Everything that was, like, all these weapons were delivered directly to the bakery in crates with false top, like, false bottoms on them. So they would line the bottom of these with, with guns. Then they put, a, a, like, a false floor in and fill the rest of the crate with baking supplies. Uh-huh. So he, they're still getting their baking supplies for the, you know for the bakery and then he's got all the fucking heaters underneath yeah so it pretty oh. it's a big brain move is what oh, that look. is they they threw an extra yeah <laughs> so for quite some time he had a, a basement full of flour sugar yeast grenades loaded stick magazines and excellent little submachine guns at the bakery um and he had a cot down there yeah because as far as anybody else knew he was still in the army so he didn't go out during the day he only went out after dark to do he's Batman. He's doing goon shit. <laughs> We're going to go out and bark at the moon and kill Nazis. Um, He's Batman. Um, uh, so one of the things that I thought was, was pretty fucking cool is uh, I found about I found out about his personal <laughs> modified Sten that he carried. Oh. Um, you, you've seen the Sten before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, looks like a, like a cocking gun with a fucking magazine stick yeah. outside of it. <laughs> so if you look at it, there's only about four inches of barrel that sticks out past the receiver. Yeah. Right? He chopped his down to 
less than an inch past the receiver. Okay, makes it shorter. Okay. Then he also took the stock, like the shoulder stock off, and fixed he, – he made this rig out of, like, an old, like, Beretta revolver handle that he, that he fixed to the back of it. So he's now got this, like, tiny little submachine gun that's only about 14 inches long total from nose to butt. And he would sling it under his jacket, and you couldn't see it if he didn't have a magazine in it because it sat tight. And he had this old, nasty fucking, like, greenish jacket. He was cosplaying as a hobo, okay. <laughs> basically. Okay. Um, so this thing is fucking crazy. Like, So if he actually sw- could switch it around, move it under. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, dude, but all he had to do was load it and pull up. Yeah, because he had it slung to himself, so he could he could if he had it loaded, he could just pull up with one hand and fire yeah. and drop it back into his coat and run off. True, you know, he's he's doing some secret squirrel stuff, and I, I I'm here for it. The early morning hours of May twentieth, nineteen forty one, were opened by Yunker Ju fifty twos flying over the village of uh, Chania, uh, and they're just shitting German paratroopers out the back of it. Um, German paratroopers, the Fallschirmjäger. Not guys to fuck with. No. They are bad, bad dudes. Yeah. Um, and the best part is, they weren't SS, most of them. They were just Wehrmacht. They were just regular yeah. army. Um, which means you don't have to immediately hate them. No. Because they were dudes out there fighting. Um, the SS can all burn in hell. Because they were the ones that actually knew what was going on. These were dudes that were like, oh, we're going to war? Okay. You know, and they'll, all right, we'll, we'll do it. You can't discount, though, the badassery of, of the SS, though. The Waffen SS. <sighs> yeah, but they were still assholes. It's true. They were. You know. But, I mean, they still were, like, badass. That'd be like saying, you know, like, like all of a sudden we all found out that the Navy SEALs are, like, eating babies and stuff. You're like, yeah, they're badass, but you, you kind of have to ignore the fact that they're eating babies. I'm like, you can't you ignore know. that. Exactly. I'm not saying that, you know, we have to ignore the fact that they were fucking going, eh, yeah, killing Jews, whatever. It's the, it's the Chris Benoit argument. Yeah. Yeah, he was great in ring, but he was a piece of shit. <laughs> you know? Um, so why are they being dropped here specifically is because most of the Kiwi forces are stationed just outside of town at an airbase. Um, they didn't know that Spiro lived like in his band of like merry assholes lived in the next little town of Malame, which is where the actual, where the airfield actually was like, yeah. this is down on like a dirt road and you're there. That's, that's the town he's in. <clears throat> so as the invasion started, he gets a runner like comes running up and fucking banging on the door of the bakery. His mother knows what's going on. Cause she's kind of like, she has to know cause he's living there. <laughs> You know? Besides a secret message down two baguettes, uh, a croissant, and uh, I, I need know. I need three I, th- I need three euros and your special <laughs> tzatziki sauce, special tzatziki sauce. Yeah. Ah, yes, we'll go to the basement for that. You know. Um, ah, so the Germans are coming. Yes. So the the runner had orders directly from British High Command saying, "Do not openly attack the Germans." Wait, because they're they're landing near base. Let the Kiwis sort them out. If they come into your town, on the other hand, fuck them up. Like yeah. you guys have free range. Just don't 
actively go hunting for Germans. Yes. Because you're not equipped for it because you're uh, you're essentially a, a light duty strike force. You know, you're you're doing you're, you're doing guerrilla warfare shit. Yeah. Like this is where you should be setting up like trip lines and landmines and shit like that and getting ready. He doesn't. Spoiler alert. Um, he instead arms up with a sawed off Sten and a canvas bag that he used to use to deliver bread. Um, you know, you know, bread, pastry, stuff like that to, you know, their customers. They had a list, obviously, door to door. And of course, you know, get your bread, you know, get your bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he starts making his rounds like he had any other day because he had started going back out during the day. He had grew out his mustache, fucking shaggied himself all up, looked like shit. Nobody really recognized him, and he had been in this town for quite some time. Nobody really, like, like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Maybe he kind of looks like Spiro. I don't know. Whatever. They're all Greek. They all look the same. You know, olive skin, arm hair, mustaches. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. You know, Greeks, Italians. It's all it's all Greek to me. Um, so he starts, you know, handing that bread to the regulars. Then he has to go back because he's got a special <sighs> batch for the Germans. Ah. Because they also delivered to the airbase for breads and shit like that. So instead of bringing the cart that he usually did, he just like, it's a light delivery. I'll, I'll do it on foot. I'll, I'll, I'll hand deliver it, you know? So he's walking down the road um, from Melamy to the airbase. Um, and he gets a little, it gets kind of close to the airbase and decides to kind of peel off the road and do a little bit of recon, hang out in a little olive grove. And um, while he's there, two-man German patrol just so happens to be walking through the olive grove and they catch him and um, you know they come up and they try to change him up you know try to chase him off and he plays up like these guys are speaking Greek to him but he plays up like he uh, what's the nice way to say it I can't think of the nice way to say it um, he's acting like he might be a little slow uh, you know, like he maybe got kicked in the head by a horse or something. He's like, I yeah. just could pick olives. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, so they're like, you know, they kind of fucking wrangle him up and they guide him out to the road. Like, get out of here, you rascal. And uh, they turn and they're kind of like laughing and joking. And um, they shouldn't have turned around because he dove on top of both of them and just starts stabbing. He had his knife out before he hit either one of them. Um the first one was likely dead before he hit the ground. Uh, the other guy was not so lucky because Spiro stabbed him over a dozen times and then cut his throat so deeply that he almost took his head off as a trophy. Mm. He, he got in there. He got all up in his shit and yeah. Yeah, took him out. Um, so he collects his bag and then goes back to his hiding spot um, after, you know, watering the olives. Uh what makes olives grow? Blood, blood, blood. <laughs> so he hid in another stand of trees until the next day when a larger group of Germans made their way from the base back towards town. Uh-huh. They'd been taking some pretty heavy casualties. Like, the Kiwis are fucking them up. Like, they lost, like, 160 men during this little skirmish with these guys. So these guys had been ordered to go back into town to try to gather food. Because these are paratroopers. They don't bring fucking food with them. No. You just jump out with all your shit yeah. and call it a day. Um, so as they're coming down the road, he emerges out of the darkness with his bag of breads and um, this pile of Germans stop him. Fucking day old and bread. they're like, hey, what you got in the bag, buddy? And uh, 
It's like, I have bread. I have many, many breads. Would you like some breads? Um, so one of them kind of like fucking roughed him up a little bit. You know, he was not nice to him. And uh, basically was like, give me the fucking bag. Okay, whatever. So he says, I just want my money. That's fine. Take your money. He reaches into his bag and he grabs his little billfold, his little purse thing. It's got all this change in it for making change because, you know, people don't have charge accounts. You got to pay cash. Um, so they didn't think it was odd that he wanted his money. They did think it was a little weird and they were kind of puzzled as to why when he handed them the bag, he ran off the side of the road like a fucking psychopath. Found out a couple seconds later why he was running away when all the grenades that were in the bag went off and cut the man holding the bag in half. Um, yeah, he was a crafty motherfucker. He had about a dozen grenades in there. All the pins are linked together with a real tight wire. Yeah. So all he had to do was pull one wire while he was in there <laughs> and run. Yeah. And he's just armed about a dozen grenades. Um, so obviously everybody that was in, Oh, for another important detail, uh, anybody that had picked up the bag would not have known that there was grenades in it because they were all hidden in fucking rolls. Uh. <laughs> so he hollowed out rolls, stuffed grenades into them. So you just all you see is if you're even looking like fish line connecting all these rolls together. OK, um, by by his account that he had given given to somebody in the next 30 ish minutes or so, um, there'd been about 30 Germans that had accosted him and pilfered his bread. Um, the men in the immediate blast area were fucking shredded like sauerkraut. Um, the rest were kind of knocked down and wounded. And that's a lot of grenades, you know? And then if you have people kind of tight in, they take a lot of the shrapnel. Other guys are just getting fucked up a little bit and they're, they're hurting. So there's just a, a pile of Germans writhing around on the ground, bleeding and wounded. Um, Spiro stepped out of the trees, opened his coat, removed his modded sten, and finished off somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 Germans with one 32-round magazine. Ammo's not not cheap. No. We're, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be not we're going to be a little frugal with it. Yeah. Um, so we're, I'm thinking a lot of like chest and headshots. Um, so he then runs back into town, knowing that obviously this is going to draw some fucking attention, and turns out you know. When another crew of dudes got there, they find, you know, two and a half, de two and a half dozen dead Germans kind of draws their attention as well. So the next wave of Germans made it into town about an hour after he did. Um, this one was about 100 strong. There was they sent they sent some boys because uh, they're like, we've got some shit we need to handle here. Yeah. They walked the streets, you know, from, per you know, going person to person, asking anybody if they had, you know, any information if anybody had seen anything. Yeah. Because you have to. Right. Um, and, of course, like the people in town don't have a fucking <sighs> blues clue as to what these guys are talking about. Um, then a, a man staggers up to a smaller group of about six Germans. He just stinks like stale wine and cigarettes. And uh, he's like, yeah, I, I saw a guy in a nasty old green coat running that way through town. Um, he left just before you guys got here. So he was headed east out of town. Streets are completely empty in this little one little spot. Um, the Germans passed him. They kind of you know shoved him to the ground. A couple of them kicked him. He's a fucking homeless guy. Who gives a shit? Um, this homeless drunk man rolls over, 
peels out his chopped up sten and just fucking hoses down all of these Germans with nine mil. Surprise, it was Spiro. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. Uh, unfortunately, the luck of the Greeks is about to run out for him here, though. Um, gets his feet underneath him, reloads, and runs to the corner of a building trying to figure out his next move. Um, he's likely headed, most likely headed back to the bakery. Because uh-huh. he knows he can go there and lay low. You know, there's not basement access. It's in a fucking, it's under a, a trap door, under a carpet. Yeah. That, you know, his mom's fucking stool is on, so nobody's going to look there. So he's he's going to try to find a, a way to lay low here. Um, as he cuts the corner, another group of Germans come from a side street. And he looked down the street and saw them. And he actually saw another, he saw a woman pointing at him directly. And he's like, fuck. So he tries to run off. Um, they eventually did catch him. They beat the absolute dog shit out of him. Uh, dragged him to the town center and... Um, they, the, the Germans at this point in time have regrouped everybody that's still alive and start dragging people from all over town to the town center to show them what happens when you fight back. They're going to make an example here. Um, he was tied to a, they said a laundry pole. Okay. So I'm assuming like, you know, like a pole for like a, a like a, a, a laundry line for like yeah. drying your clothes and stuff. Um, line. Yeah. and yeah, and he was killed by firing squad. Um, they then threw his remains into a, a cart, dragged him down to the ocean, and dumped him in the water and left him there. Um, Spiro Malekis was 28 years old when he died <laughs> fighting German shitheads. Um, but keep in mind, over the course of about an hour and a half, he took 38 Nazis to hell with him. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> Not bad. No. Not fucking bad at all. Um, I mean, he almost got away with it. He did. If he it did. wasn't for that one meddling fucking lady, yeah, she wouldn't fucking you know kept her nose out of it. Wanted to point it at him. Yep, went with the program. Fucking bitch. And the fucking craziest part about this story, none of this actually happened. I made this whole thing up. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I was like, I was looking at some badasses, and I was like, I bet I could trick him. <laughs> you probably would. Good one. Yeah. Good uh, matter of fact, uh, Malekis is uh, the, the Greek word for bullshit. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but like the Battle of Gallipoli actually happened. The invasion yes. and Battle of Cre- Battle of Crete actually happened. You know, was just having some fun. <laughs> what a cocksucker. It's <laughs> uh, a good one. I couldn't get you with the fucking. Uh, I've never gotten you with uh, with the truth or scare, but faux badass. <laughs> Nailed him. Nice. Way to go. Uh, yeah. Bravo. Bravo. I had such a hard time keeping it together as I'm reading it to him. Like, he's going to catch some detail and go, that's fake. That's not real. I was like, no, I think I got him. All right. <laughs> oh, hold on. It gets even better. Because. Uh, Touche, cocksucker. Hold on. No, no, no. We're not done yet. Because I, I even did something here. Uh, I was like. I gotta have I gotta have proof of this guy, right? So I AI generated a Greek World War II soldier, and then I fucked the picture all up. Uh huh. Well, yeah. So people are gonna see that and go, "Wow, that guy's got a great mustache." And uh, turns out, guy's computer generated. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can tell if you look real close because he's only got three fingers on each hand. 
AI does that. They tend to do three or six for some reason. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, that was uh... a. <laughs> What a that's, fucker. That was my manufactured badass. Uh, huh. So now I guess I got to do a real one for my next next episode. <laughs> ah, I got you, motherfucker. <laughs> he pushes his microphone away. Uh, oh, man. I quit. I'm done. <laughs> the only two people that know that I did this are my wife and Seth. No, me. Now you, yeah. But, uh, yeah, because I was talking to Seth, I'm like, I think I'm going to fuck with Kevin. He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a made-up badass. I'm like, okay. So he's like, we're bouncing ideas back and forth, and I'm like, do a part of World War II that we haven't really talked about, this, that, the other. And he's like, like I like it. I like it. He goes, he's like, uh, just come up with a really good name. I'm like, hey, dude, fucking Spiro's a goddamn a great Greek name. And I was like, I'm going <coughs> to... Anybody that anybody that knows Greek, when they hear the last name's gonna go, wait a minute, that sounds weird, because it is. But uh, I don't know enough Greek, so I don't either. I uh, I went with it. I don't either. I mean, I knew it was, you know, I was like, oh, Malekis. Okay, that's good fucking Greek. Maybe I should do an actual like actual Greek badass, like a go back in time Greek badass uh-huh. for the next one. Uh-huh. Just as a. I'm gonna have my head. I'm gonna fucking have my head on a pillow. I'm gonna like fucking. <laughs> You better, bitch, because uh, you never know when it's coming again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Well, you can tell Seth how you got me. <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, that said, uh, fuck you all. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did, because, like, my face hurts now, because I've been smiling for, so, like, as hard as I have been. Yeah, as soon as he went, yeah, the best part of it is uh, that this, this guy does, just doesn't exist. <laughs> I was like... I was kind of like, what? <laughs> he fucking what now? <laughs> what? You said what? Uh, Motherfucker. It means I'm good at it, though. It was good. It was good. I like it. Well, you research enough badasses, you know. Yeah. And then you yeah, just blindside you with something that you're not as familiar with from World War II. You it's know? true. Because if I had been like, oh, no, this guy was an 82nd Airborne and he dropped into Market Garden or something, you could have been like, eh, something don't feel right here. <laughs> You know, do a fucking fake Greek, and you're like, you don't think anything of it. You know, I could have named this guy fucking Oikos Activia, and you'd have been like, ah, it sounds like like yogurt, and that's because those are both yogurts. But uh, <laughs> could have been named after him, whatever. I don't know. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Got you, bitch.